Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Today's scripture comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 14 through 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Hey, will you thank our worship team and Lauren and Emily? Well, happy, uh, I was just saying to a couple of people out here, we caught ourselves saying happy fourth, third. All right, we're almost there. That has not stopped anyone around our house from lighting off fireworks, starting with the abs winning the cup, right? Yes. So... Anyhow, that's just going to happen for the next month or so. But anyway, um, we, we're happy you joined us this morning. I know that some of you are watching online, you're out of town, some, are you, some of you are here from out of town, and um, I, I just actually need to speak to a couple people online real quick, but a little backstory here. We went shopping for some fireworks yesterday, okay, and um, I, I could kind of, I'm to the point where I feel like I've seen it all. We went to the Rockies game the other night, and I don't know if you know this, Lockheed Martin puts together the fireworks show that Coors Field puts on. And so after that, it's like, it's all, nothing, nothing lives up after that, okay? It's just incredible. But we were at this fireworks stand yesterday, and I came across a firework that I was like, we're buying that, okay? Let me, let me show you what it is. You can't see this. I should have put it on screen. This is called the neighbor hater, the neighbor hater, okay? Now, I need to talk in the chance they're watching, Tom, Janet, Jim, Janine, Linda, I love you guys. I'm still lighting this off, okay? Um, just, I saw it and I went, we're, I don't care if we buy nothing else. I've got to see how that goes. We have 20 of them, so uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's the only one. I love, I love our neighbors, truly love them. So anyway... That is, uh, that's 4th of July for us. But those of you joining online or here in person, if we haven't met, I'm Nathan, and I get to be the pastor here at West Bowles, and we're thrilled you've joined us. Well, we are going through the book of Mark, and we're going to be taking a break here in a few weeks to uh, spend about a month and a half on something called Life Verses. Life Verses. You're going to hear from, uh, a little from me, but from some voices within our congregation that uh, are just going to speak to the scripture that God has, they've just seen God use in their lives. And so that'll start in a few weeks here. But while we're, up until then, we are still going through Mark. We're going to end at Mark 7 before we take a break. And the reason I bring that up is we just finished Mark chapter 6 by email this week. 
If you happen to want to follow along by email, there's, you can text email to our church our, our main church line, and uh, it'll prompt you for your email address, and you can get signed up that way. Some of Mark we will be going through over email. It's a midweek uh, email that comes to you Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. It'll just, it'll get there eventually, okay? But uh, we'd love to have you join us on that. Well, There was a guy who's actually on that email list who he does not live here. I don't know how he even came in contact with our church, but he is on that midweek email list. And it was about a month and a half ago. He emailed me um, directly and he said, hey, that email, uh, I appreciate you sending it every week. I just disagree with what you said this week. And I was like, okay, I'm reading this. And you know what we all would do. We can put our defenses up. And then he said, but I'm still totally, totally here. For it. Because I know that we come together under, as Graham has said over and over at the beginning of service, under the banner of Christ. And it, it was so weird what happened. Here's this email where the guy said, I disagree, yet I'm still here. And I went, that is so refreshing. What, what, if, what if it looked like that for us? And, and I bring all this up because tomorrow we celebrate this nation's um, birthday. You know, and, and, and freedom is a huge, huge, huge thing this time of year. I mean, it's all the time, but especially we focus on it this time of year. And what strikes me is that over the last few years, what have we seen the most fighting in this country over? Our freedoms, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, if you can jump back a few years, I know you don't want to jump back a few years. None of us really wants to, right? But there was social distancing, right? If we could fight over it, we were fighting over it. There were masks, okay? In the middle of all of it, there were racial tensions that came up, all right? And then you had this vaccine thing. And as time went on, there was just always something. You know, transgender rights, gun control, the Supreme Court decision last week about abortion. If there can be a fight, there's just gonna be a fight. And so it's kind of ironic that here we are, we're, we're celebrating freedom, and yet that's what the fight seems to be about over and over and over in this country. And, and that makes this actually a great time for us to land in Mark chapter 7. Because in Mark chapter 7, Jesus, you know, Mark has highlighted a lot of Jesus' actions. You get to Mark chapter 7, and now we're going to actually hear from Jesus quite a bit. We get to really drop in on a conversation, a couple conversations this morning. And those conversations actually are, are a great reminder for us. We've got a different kind of freedom. If you follow Christ, it is not a freedom that the government can determine. It's just not. I mean, it just goes so beyond the framework of government. And yes, God has established governments and he uses governments, but there is a freedom that was secured at the cross that supersedes all of it. It's an internal freedom that we received, and you received, if you follow Jesus, that you received at the cross. And so Jesus is going to actually highlight that, and he's going to bring that to the forefront here in this conversation, all right? So let's jump into Mark chapter 7, because what he's really, what's going to come up here is what I believe is a danger for every single one of us, no matter what the issue is. When an issue comes up and you find yourself in dialogue with somebody and then it turns into more than dialogue and maybe an argument, we get at odds with one another, Jesus is going to bring us back to what is the priority in the midst of all the squabbling about freedom. 
Mark chapter 7, verse 1 says this. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, let me just, by show of hands, who has rules for washing hands at home? Okay, uh, let me just ask, how long is it? How long do you have to scrub your hands? Let's do this, okay? If it's more than five seconds, raise your hand. Okay, more than 10 seconds. 20? The alphabet? Five minutes. Okay, anyway. No, like, everybody kind of has a stance on this. And if you didn't before three years ago, you probably have something in place now, don't you? Yeah, because the last few years caused us to think, okay, we're joining hands to pray, and we're going to sit next to each other. Did you wash your hands? You know, did, did you, like, dip yourself in, in sanitary lotion? You know, whatever it is, sanitizing lotion. Well, Mark gives a little context. He said the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing. So not, not for sanitation purposes. This is ceremonial. This is, there's a little bit of show to this. Holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, you have your rules for hand washing. Here's what what scholars believe it was for them. What would happen is before a meal, you would come to somebody who's got a jar whose hands have been washed by somebody else. Now, this just keeps going back and keeps going back. And I don't, I mean, eventually it's got to break down, right? But somebody's holding a jar and you would hold your hands up like this. They would pour water out onto your fingers and hands. Now, doesn't sound like a big deal, right? If the water did not fall off at the wrist, as in ran down your elbow, you're starting over again, okay? If you passed that part of the hand washing, then you'd put your hands down and they would pour water over that. And then you were ceremonial, ceremonially clean. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, but to them, this is what they did. And as this became a practice, I mean, it was held as sacred, absolutely sacred. So that's the background of all this. And then we get into this conversation. The Pharisees decide, you know what? Jesus and his disciples, they don't do it like we do it. And they don't do it like the tradition says to do it. So they say this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, and here's that question, why don't you? Right? Have you you had those people in your life? Why don't you do it this way? Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? You know what the term is for this? You've maybe heard this, especially in church circles. Legalism. Legalism. I'm just going to hold somebody to the letter of some law. Some law. It's a human tradition, really. The tradition of the elders. But this is what legalists do. Right? First, they, they look for other legalists. Do you notice it was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? They said, oh yeah, let's get together. We'll go after Jesus that way. And then the other thing legalists do is they look for lawbreakers. You know, we need something to do. So let's find somebody who's not doing it. And then on top of it, they decide here to lecture the Lord because that always is a good idea, right? Yeah, we're just going to lecture the Lord over this whole thing. Now, do you know anybody like that? I remember some faces coming to mind. If none are coming to mind, you're probably that person. I'm just saying, okay? No. Um, yeah, we, we all, not only do we know somebody like that, but it takes one to know one, doesn't it? We've all been here over something 
right? If you and I were sitting down with Oreos, my doctor's watching $20 bills, okay? If we were sitting down with Oreos, there's a right way to dip an Oreo in milk, okay? There's a length of time. There's a manner in which you do it, right? We can find anything, anything. We're right now, our 15-year-old daughter, she's got her driving permit. I'm real legalistic in that car, okay? Real legalistic. There's a lot at stake. Jesus replied, verse 6, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, and here's the word, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go, verse 8, you've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Now, you get the impression, as he talks with the Pharisees over and over, it can feel like Jesus hates these guys. And we know that's not true, because over time, a couple Pharisees would actually come to follow Jesus. Nicodemus, as you look at the trajectory of his life and his devotion after Jesus died, I can't help thinking that he came around. And then, of course, Saul, who we know as Paul. They came around to follow him. But here's the thing, is he talks with them so bluntly and so directly. What he's really trying to get through is this thick layer of pride that he's got to be that blunt in order to get through to them. And so what he's really getting at is he's trying to unearth a couple heart issues. Number one, they had gotten so legalistic around human traditions. And in this case, it was the washing of hands. Now, you probably don't have to think too hard to think about some of the traditions we've got today. And there are some great traditions. There's some really great traditions. But Jesus' point here is that if you're going to make the issue about clean hands, then you got to watch it. You get so legalistic, you're about to run over somebody. You're going to overlook human dignity. You're going to overlook who they are. You're going to overlook God's image in them. You're going to run right over them. We all can get legalistic about our human tradition. But now he's going to get at the, really the second piece of the issue. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> Verse 9 and 10. He continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. He said, look, not only have you gotten legalistic about human tradition, but you've gotten very liberal about God's commands. That's really what was at the heart of Jesus dealing with their hearts. This Corban thing, there was this practice uh, where they would basically, they would uh, identify something as sacred You know, if it was, so if they had an asset that could be used to help somebody out, if they declared this term korban, they said it's sacred. In other words, it can't be used for anything else. And Jesus said, where this runs into a breaking of the law is you will declare certain things sacred, like the washing of hands, or or he used a different example. You'll use, you'll declare something as korban, dedicated to God, as an excuse to not help out your father and mother and break the commandment, honor your father and mother. He said, look, you've got some hypocrisy going on here. You know, if my parents, if their coffee maker broke and I've got like a Keurig and a coffee maker, under this thinking, I could go, well, they're both Corban. Mom, dad, can't help you. 
And of course, in my parents' case, they'd say, well, we bought you your coffee maker, Nathan. And I'd say, Corban, sorry, I can't help you, mom and dad. You know, this is what we do. We could declare this about anything, anything at all. And so Jesus begins to just pour a little more salt in the wound. Here's what he says. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. In other words, Jesus is going, I'm just getting warmed up. Like, we can keep on going. Now, here's the thing. Nobody, nobody likes to think they're legalistic, right? I mean, that's, that's a, I don't want that said about me. Nobody wants to think they're overly liberal. Nobody wants that said about them. So I'm just going to irritate everybody all at once. This won't take long, okay? So there are some of you that you just, you consider yourselves even politically on the liberal end of the spectrum. The truth is you find the right issue, you can get really, really legalistic about it, can't you? And there are some that land on the conservative side. Some would call you legalistic, but you can get really, really liberal with the right issue, can't you? And then some of you are sitting here thinking, well, I'm, I'm more in between. I'm not that, and I'm not that. I'm more independent. And I would say, you just worry about winning an election first, and then we'll talk, okay? No, this is, this is how we think. We like to think it's outside of us, right? It's anybody but me, because me and God, we, we see it. We're tight. We see it the same way. And this is how we go about our views and especially our human traditions. Jesus is getting at something, that pride, pride, And the obstacle that we throw out there is that we hold others to a human, not God-made, human-made to-do list. Do we not? We like to walk around and hold others, even if it's just internally, to our own human to-do list. You want to know where this is a big issue? And this is a crisis. All right, I want to bring this up. And, and we should all be losing sleep over this. Think about sports teams, okay? They, they do this thing where they retire numbers, right? Okay, so like the Broncos, nobody's ever going to wear number seven again, right? Because whose number was that? See how many natives we've got here, okay, or sports fans. Okay, the Broncos officially have three numbers in the history of their team that have been retired. Now, you've got that ring of fame that's got like 35 people on it, but people have worn some of those numbers since. The Broncos have three numbers that have been officially retired. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. In sports, you got jerseys that go from zero to 99. Okay, so over a long enough time frame, if enough amazing players come along whose jerseys get retired, what are they going to do? I mean, it's not going to happen in our lifetimes, but you should be losing sleep over this right now, okay? And the New York Yankees, they actually have 21 numbers retired. Yeah, the Yankees have a problem coming up, and we're all glad to see that, aren't we? Yeah, because it's the Yankees, all right? But this is really what it is. What, what they've done what's in sports, what we do is we revere those who have accomplished so much that we say it, their number is Corban. In essence, it's Corban. It's sacred. Nobody will ever wear it again. Now, that's fine for sports, okay? If they want to do that, fine. If they got to switch to like drawings on jerseys or something like that in the year 2300, we won't care, right? Because we'll be gone. Anyway, that's my soapbox. But Jesus is, he's saying, look, you guys, here's what's happened. You've invented a tradition to, to, to um, further worship. And the progression of that is you begin to prefer that tradition over worship. 
And then that tradition begins to prevent your worship. That's what's happened as you've gone. And and so Jesus, he's now going to turn their attention. He says, look, you think this is about clean hands, but it's about something else. Verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him. He said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And some translations have this, some don't. Mark seven sixteen. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And this is a callback to Mark chapter 4. Remember Mark chapter 4, where he's referencing and he's alluding to. You need a savior to be able to hear what he's saying right now and see what he's saying. <clears throat> Verse 17. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And the disciples, verse 20, said, gross. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't say that, okay? In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Verse 20, the actual verse 20, he went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. In other words, you made this about clean hands, Pharisees, teachers of the law. You made it about clean hands, but what does God want? A clean heart. He wants a clean heart. See, we think the solution for people is we look around from afar in third person is that they'll just clean up their act. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. God has to clean up their heart. And the heart's a mess. When you look at what Jesus says next, he says this, verse 21, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. And Jesus is saying, look, in the process trying to get a clean, clean hands on people, this external thing, you've overlooked a clean heart. You've violated the law of love because that list, you know what it is? It's really a list of violations of love. It's the absence of love. It is perversions of love. It's the taking of love. That's really what that list is, is you look at it. And when you think about that, you, you suddenly go, oh my goodness, we're all defiled, aren't we? See, here's the thing. As we think about these freedoms that we have in this country, when we get into discussions, when it comes to an issue, we don't rely on human tradition. We don't. We look at the command of God as long as we look at human tradition. I guess I'd say it this way. And this is the takeaway, that if being right makes the heart go wrong, then it's all wrong. And that's not me saying that. That's, that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, look, it's an inside thing. It's absolutely an internal thing. Now, here's the, here's the scary part. He's talking to them, and guess what hasn't happened yet? Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet, has he? And so while we can point the finger at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the disciples in their not-so-great moments, I mean, we can be guilty of this, can't we? 
Because see, for them, the issue is they needed to realize that they needed a savior to be free. And we've got to realize on this side of the cross that we have a savior who's made us free. It is a God-given freedom. But here's what we do. You know, we get into these conversations. You start disagreeing with somebody, right? And then you make your point. And, oh, I'm so mad. And if you just see things my way, and you're empty. You're empty. You know? And you're not filled with the abundance that you could be. You know why? We need a savior. We absolutely need a savior. And so here's how I want to end this morning. I want to give you four helpful questions that just as a thought on this, prayed on it. These are questions that just come up. Your sermon notes, it's just a blank page today. My wife took that as permission to draw during the sermon. Um, and she was excited to not see any blanks to have to fill in. But here are four questions for you. All right, first one. when you think about an issue, just pick an issue that has just meant a lot to you over the last few years, okay? It could be as recent as last week. might be something going on in your life right now. If you need to, go back to the beginning of COVID. Just do this. Think of something that's irritated you over the last few years, right? That's how we end a sermon, okay? Um, First question, what's the source of my stance? What is the source of my stance? And as you look around, are you pointing at people and saying, well, that's how they do it. And that's how they do it. And that's what they think. You know, is it whatever cultural whim has come along? I mean, all you have to do is look over history and you'll see that there's really no cultural stance that has really stayed consistent at all. So what is the source of my stance? Is it human tradition or is it the word of God and the son of God? and the spirit of God. Question number two, where is this steering my heart? Where is this steering my heart? And I'm just going to tell you right now, you cannot answer that question on your own. You can't do it. This is where husbands turn to your bride and say, what are you seeing? Really? What are you seeing? Wives turn to your husband and at some point say, what are you seeing really? When this issue comes up, when this thing comes up, what are you really, what are you really seeing in me? To those that you're maybe in a group with here at the church, to a neighbor, to a coworker, to a teammate, a classmate, be honest with me. And here's the hard part. Don't be mad at whatever the response is. That's where this breaks down usually. But honestly, what are you seeing? Where are you seeing my heart go every time this issue comes up? Question number three, has love moved down the list of priorities? That is love of God in the form of worship, love of self, seeing ourselves as created in God's image and love of others, seeing them as created in God's image. Are we running over dignity somewhere? You know, in the process of fighting over freedom, have we overlooked living out love? Has love moved down the list of priorities? Because Jesus, you know what he's getting at? I secured your freedom. Beyond all government structures, politics, anything this world could give you in the form of a law, I secured your freedom at the cross. So you don't have to fight over it anymore. I mean, sure, you can fight for it for other people, but we live out love. That is the priority. 
Jesus, love. For the followers of Jesus, that's our priority. And finally, question number four is the worship team heads back up. Am I pointing people to my to-do list or Jesus' already done list? See, that's really what religion boils down to. You're either going to be a Pharisee and it's going to be a to-do list for everybody else or as we follow Christ, do we point people to his already done list, what he did at the cross to secure our freedom? Four questions to ponder. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you as we approach Independence Day. And Lord, we, uh, as a country, we celebrate our independence, but as followers of Christ, let us always remain dependent on you because that is where our greatest, deepest, most abundant freedom comes from. And so Lord, let that not leave our minds. As we get into conversations about issues and whatever comes up and whatever comes along, Lord, let us always prioritize love. And so Lord, we bring our hearts to you. Show us where we've tried to be right and yet the heart's gone wrong. And Lord, only you can make us right. We need you as savior, not just as a one-time confession, as an altar call. We need you as Lord and savior every single day. Keep that on our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy 4th.